0: this is what happens when you stop prioritizing white love this is what happens when you stop prioritizing white love our models of love come from whiteness they do they do in media they do i'm just saying there is a model of love that includes accountability and often black people practice it politics of pleasure i'm your host nia and i'm your hostess we release new episodes every other thursday follow us on ig at politics of pleasure pod or on twitter we are at pleasure politic glad to be back yeah girl it's been a whirlwind of a i don't know last week and a half my god since we last recorded my god
1: okay so let's do a check-in real quick what's up with you
0: i had the flu last week so (laughs) I was struggling um, and my PhD applications are due in like less than, or about two weeks. And so I'm kind of in full throttle right now, Mm -hmm. just trying to get that done and also trying to go to work and be a regular Trader Joe and also... not a regular trainer shout, shout, shout out to eric if you're listening eric's probably listening to this podcast my friend eric he checked in on me he said how them trader hoes treating you at trader joe's i was like please stop like <gasps> <laughs> please end this now oh i love but i am that. a trader ho is what i'm saying like yeah you are he a trader introduced ho. that into my lexicon and now i'm like i'm I only identify as a Trader Hope.
1: Congratulations.
0: So between that job and then getting the flu and also trying to get these applications done Mm -hmm. and also getting this podcast done and trying to run it all. It's been a lot. He Um, said a (laughs) lot. It's a lot. um, Plus, plus what you did this weekend, but like I helped aid in Mm -hmm. was a lot of work for you and my family and us, like everyone. So don't know you want to fill the folks in on, on what we were up to this past saturday yes
1: so uh for me uh this has also been a whirlwind ass of a week um i am in a band and we had our first reunion since the pandemic the five of us in a room which was so beautiful and so much fun and it was just like nice to be around them i love them a lot Um, And then afterwards, I did a project that I've been working on for a couple months now. Um, And it is a project specifically for me. That's all I can really say about it for right now. But it took a lot out of me took a lot of fucking work and was um, something that I'm really excited for everybody to see. But yeah, that, that's, that was the week. So we are here. We are here. We have done it. And I, you know, I have other things that we're we're working on in the future and stuff like that. So like, one of them is a a show that I can actually, you know, publicly start talking about. Yes. So, um, a little church announcement. Um, (laughs) if you, (laughs) If you are in uh, New York or in the New York area, I am playing at Rockwood Music Hall Stage 3 with my friend Jess Nolan on December 1st.
0: Who? I looked at her Instagram and I was like, Questlo follows her. All right, cool. I'm done. I fell out of my seat.
1: Uh, I didn't even... First of all, I didn't even know that. But second of all, um, that woman is a powerhouse of a songwriter that she can write some songs y'all so i'm, I'm excited I'm, for the show i'm so excited like it really is gonna be like her and i just a piano like i'm singing for her it's, and we have like a lot of like cute little surprises and it's one it's gonna okay. be it's gonna <laughs> be fun so yeah if you are in new york or in the new york area um come out i forgot the time i think it's 9 30 well yeah i think it's 9 30 on um December first, but yeah, so I, I've been working and booking and you know, doing some private shows, doing some public shows. So we are both in just like foot on the gas mode, which I'm excited that we finally have a
0: moment to like sit down
1: and do this podcast, which we I know, which this we love like so a much. Bit of
0: a reprieve, although like. The sort of lead up to getting every episode done is like, all right, we got to get it together. We got to get uh-huh. the recording equipment. We got to find the time. But once we're actually sitting down here talking, I'm like, this is what I needed. Yeah, it's so much fun. This is what I needed. Yeah. Well, I'm going to jump in to this week's event. Okay, so let me ask you then. What's the pulse at a moment? Yeah, so... There's a lot going on. I'm gonna start with something that is so cool. Okay. And my nerdy ass is so excited. <laughs> Um, I, as, honestly, as with, like, most stuff nowadays, I find out about, like, everything on TikTok. I've just, like, I've mastered my TikTok algorithm, like, I only see dyke Mm. content, (laughs) and, like, nerdy gardening shit, and, like, astrological shit, and, like, space quantum physics stuff, and then, like, other academics who are, like, trying to spread the word about whatever field of interest they have. Um, so I found out. This one girl I follow who does, like, space-related tiktoks on like educational space stuff she was like so let me tell you about this new telescope that's being developed that nobody's talking about that is going to essentially be like the successor of the hubble telescope so i'm sure you are all familiar with the hubble space telescope and that's what's given us all those like beautiful photos of the galaxies that we like take for granted now like before we did not have Mm -hmm. those pictures Mm -hmm. but the new telescope that's coming is called the james webb space telescope okay and this telescope y'all this is why i'm like actually upset that no one's talking about it this telescope hypothetically hopefully will give us the ability to see essentially backwards in time we will be able Sorry, to per- what yes we will be able to perceive some of the earliest stars that were created from the big bang so we should be able to perceive some elements of the big bang itself um. Yeah. So this is why I'm like y'all. Um. So time's not real. Like when I when literally I'm like time is a social construct. It hold is on. a social construct. Hold on.
1: You broke my brain. Okay. Hold on. Hold so on.
0: the way that space and time works. So for example, think about a light year. And I think you and I may have talked about this offline. Um. And honestly, I'm gonna link to this this um in the description. You're getting so STEM. I love it. Yes, it's- I because, love it. Because basically, what it is is if you think about. For example, there is a space and technology institute called SETI, um, and it's like the Center for Extraterrestrial Technological Intelligence. Oh, you did I've talked to you about this yes. because they do artist residency programs that like help articulate abstract oh, I, concepts. Oh, my God. And I would they have love a musician working with them. And I remember I told you about that because I was uh, like, that would be such a cool music opportunity. But I would love to do one that. of wow. the women who founded this initiative essentially talks about how we could detect whether or not there is another species out there in the galaxy that is similar to us if we can detect their technology essentially so it's not about finding the life itself it's about finding the technological advancements that would even make it so they could get as far into the galaxy to reach us but also time inside of space is super non-linear and it changes as you move through space because space is always expanding so for example, if something is light years away, if we were to see a piece of technology that, say, an alien group was had floating out in space, by the time that technology reached us, that te- piece of technology would have been created in the past for that alien species. Oh, okay. So that gives you a sense of how time works in oh, space, okay. which is why, like, the farther you go away from planet Earth, the farther you move in time. Like, y- you're moving in time... Either backwards or forwards or sideways, but but you can perceive the past. <laughs> Nia is laughing at my eyebrows because they're doing a lot right now. So that's why I'm like, y'all, why is nobody talking about this? Because if this, if we can like have images of the Big Bang, yeah, whoa, what's religion gonna do? <laughs> oh like, my God. do you know what i like? The humanity as we know it, and like humanity in and of itself is defined by like our isolation from like so many other things that exist in the galaxy that we have no idea about. Mm -hmm. So to at least even get a glimpse of like our origin Mm -hmm. to some extent would be a brain. Fuck. Like what? (laughs) I, i'm really i'm grateful you're my friend because <laughs>
1: ain't no way the tiktok algorithm would have showed that. you that no what the fuck like i'm yes. just
0: i i am in love with your brain because it is very similar to mine but it's also very different. <laughs> and we have like such different interests uh-huh. um and i do think it's very illustrative like i often my brain is thinking in like spatial magnitudes. Like he's <laughs> like universal God. magnitudes. My God. Um, and I'm often like large and in the stars and you are often very much like seated inside of like the smallness of life. Which but not is even so that. beautiful. But uh, well I appreciate that. But 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 also I was gonna say they we
1: have similar interests but they also are incredibly overlapping because yeah. something's very aligned is if you look on my instagram stories the covers are photos from the hubble telescope yes oh my
0: god that's right yeah so
1: like (laughs) i i'm on nasa's website a lot because i do have a a, like a love for the galaxy and the stars Mm -hmm. but in again in a completely different 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 way (laughs) in a completely different lens so like what like that is I'm just thinking of the art of viewing that. I know. That's what I was thinking of. Of like that actual image is mm-hmm. probably incredibly crazy. Mm-hmm. But to your point like or to the point that we're making right now like I I don't know what science going I don't know what science is going to do. I don't know what religion is going to do and you your brain can figure that <laughs> shit out. <laughs> I don't know. I'll be the one. Yeah. Yeah. Let me sit over here. And like you said, the small moments. Let me sit in those. Uh-huh.
0: Let me sit in those and y'all can figure it out because what? So yeah, I will definitely link to the article on this like in the description because y'all need to just read up on it. Um, This is coming soon. So get ready.
1: All the black girls in STEM stand up. All the Please. black girls in STEM, yes. stand because up. we're
0: out here. I support you all. I honestly, I was a formal, like former STEM homie, and um, unfortunately left the STEM field because I was tired of white men telling me what to do, mm. um, mm-hmm. and I was tired of their dry ass perspectives. And I was tired of the lack of intersectionality of STEM with like the humanities and like actual sociological forces that affect us Mm -hmm. because it doesn't exist in a vacuum. Like not when eugenics is a thing, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like we can't be like science is objective when we were using like phrenology to measure like skull sizes and be like black people are stupid. So I I understood about 60% of that. I'm (laughs) proud. I'm proud.
1: I'm really proud. Well,
0: for those of you who know, you know, um, but I wanted to I'm transition. Just kidding. I understood the thing. Okay, that's what I was like. <laughs> Please, just kidding. Um, I also wanted to transition on a slightly darker note because mm. I I want to keep this segment short this week because our main segment, like I already know, we about to pop off. Like, oh yeah, here forever. Let's go. Um, so <sighs> yeah, deep Astro pivot. world, deep pivot, deep pivot. Um, I'm not gonna get into the specifics of like what went down in Astro World. I'm not interested in that. There are so many people who have talked about it ad nauseum. And, like, Mm -hmm. there are so many places you can go to find out Mm -hmm. what happened and how it went down. So if you don't know about what happened in World before you continue, I recommend you pause this and, like, go do some of your own research. Um, But there's another point that I want to make that's, like, my little...
1: Before you make that point, our love and our sympathy to everybody who was touched by this event.
0: Yes. Yes
1: though a lot of them were babies a lot of them were kids Mm -hmm. so our love and our deep healing to everybody who was at that concert we we love you and we hope that this next part of the journey is as easeful as it can be and as you know filled with love as it can be because good lord that was
0: a that was a crazy ass event well so it's interesting that you mentioned the word healing specifically yes um because we both genuinely wish healing <laughs> for the people who genuinely, are there. Genuinely. Um, That's a crazy ass event. Unfortunately, I don't think that every entity out there moves with as much intention as we do and as much genuine care for human life and mm-hmm. mental health. Regard, um, regard for human safety. Yeah. Life. Yep. Um. So... To give y'all like a side plot of tea on this that I think connects to the conversation that we've been having ongoing on this show um, starting last episode where we talked a lot about Facebook and like tech and capitalism and the intersection of that and how yeah. that affects like almost every facet of our lives at this point. So sex included, porn included, but in this case, mental health. Um, so I was again on my TikTok on the algorithm and I came across one Person who I don't know their pronouns, but this person is like masculine presenting white. Um, they have a TikTok called Therapy Den and they run their own therapy listing service. So they have like a directory of a website where you could go and you could find a therapist in your area that like matches with, with what you want. So this person is like a seasoned mental health professional and they have an ongoing series prior to Astro World. Um with BetterHelp, the tech company that offers mental health services. Um it functions similar to Talkspace, but um the person who runs Therapy Den, um they were saying that essentially BetterHelp sells your information. So if you sign up for BetterHelp help with the intent of getting help um for your mental health issues your data and your information so all the forms you fill out specifying like your mental health history your medical stuff like your family history suicide ideation like any insecurities thoughts about yourself that you have better help now has that information and they disclose that to third-party sellers like our third-party buyers i should say they will sell that information for marketing purposes so if we think about how Facebook, literally just last episode, we're talking about how they manipulate people's fears and insecurities to get what they want and to cause like harm to others. The fact that BetterHelp does this is really alarming. The reason why it's connected to World is because Travis Scott is now partnering up with BetterHelp to offer one month free for all the folks that were affected by the events at World. Now, the person who runs the therapy den account was saying they were not confirming, but they were saying maybe we should look at this a little closely because after all the claims that have been made about how capitalism was favored in the events of Astro World and it was one of many factors as to why human life was disregarded and people continued to perform for money purposes, um, it wouldn't be surprising if this partnership with BetterHelp. That Travis Scott has made would be in some way lucrative for him because the person who runs Therapy Den essentially says they were approached by BetterHelp as well as a mental health professional and BetterHelp was trying to uh, advertise their services on Therapy Den's like listing website and as a result of them declining this offer, BetterHelp insisted and insisted and was like, you'll make like $300 of referral and you can make up to $80,000 a year for all the heads that you like, like all the traffic that you drive to better help da 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 da. So I'm just sorry to say and feel like capitalism and tech capitalism is still winning in this scenario. And it's cloaked, it's cloaked by this fake ass sentiment of we want to help people. And that's the part that makes me like deeply disturbed and upset. And then when we zoom out and put this in context of all the larger conversations we're having about mental health and tech and capitalism, this is just yet another example of the really problematic ways that tech in particular goes unchecked um, and how capitalism, in no matter its iteration or form, will run rampant if you don't actively choose to um, fight it. Or do something different or choose to go another way. Like, it's running in the background. Uh, capitalism's running in the foreground. Mm-hmm. Like, capitalism is just running on 10 right now. Mm-hmm. And it's getting to the point where we are... Like, I heard about the world events and I was like, this feels like a fucking Octavia Butler book. Like, we are getting to a point where you're telling me people are dying at a concert? What? This many people. Yeah. This many people.
1: I mean, the well, we were... I was having um conversations about the event with um like my colleagues mm-hmm. and yeah, other musicians. other yeah and like just the videos that came out of yeah. the crowd were like yeah. really deeply disturbing. Mm-hmm. The videos of people jumping fences and like what I was saying just in terms of like energetically like the 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 season that we have been in um from the beginning of the pandemic has been a deep lifting of veil, like a deep, yeah. deep sense of like our entire world is shifting and like how that manifests in people. A lot of times is like this, like hunger, this animosity, this like really just charged energy of like getting back to things that felt normal and normal was capitalism. So like, yes, you know, so this, f- like just seeing people like just so hungry to get back to a concert, uh-huh. which as a person who has, who, who, Like live music means so much to me. Live music means so much to me. The live music community was devastated these past two years. A lot of really important places of worship were closed because of this. So like the fact that now these big, these situations are happening at concerts where like people are really, again, like, going back to the breakneck speed that capitalism had them going at before. Cause it is a time thing as well. Cause I do think mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I don't know anybody who would want this on their conscious. I don't know anybody who'd want this. No, like, no, think, like you know what I mean? I don't so think like
0: Travis Scott wanted this to happen. Yeah.
1: I, like, I don't know how, but my point being is like, because everything is go, go, go do, do, do. And like the, the pace in which the, the entertainment industry got back to how it was mm-hmm. before it's cutting corners. It's, we yes. have to get it
0: done. And yeah, with the Alec Baldwin shit, like, it's just like time and again, one after another, we're seeing we, my sister and I have been talking about this a lot recently. So I, if you think about where we are, everyone throws around the term late stage capitalism a lot now. Like yeah. we are in late stage capitalism. Yeah. But if you think about like the exponential growth curve that we all learned about in like, you know, high school math, mm-hmm. um, we're at the point in the curve where we don't know where the end is. Mm. Like, where it just keeps going. And the thing about exponentialism is that that doesn't apply to a finite world. Like, we live in a finite world. Like, the earth is finite. We have finite resources. There's uh, almost always a beginning and end to something. So we know there is an end. We just don't know how it's going to come and when. And we're at that point on the exponential growth curve where shit is accelerating like crazy mm-hmm. like it is alarming to your point like the breakneck speed at which at which you're watching people rush into oh a venue. so like, like it is so alarming and i do think the imagery from that event really represents the energy overall that yeah. we're feeling as a society that is entrenched in late state capitalism late i give capitalism. i give
1: a gentle um note if you haven't seen the imagery of this, uh, of this Whew. concert, I would watch it with caution. Yes. We're not in the, we are absolutely not in the business of uh no. trauma porn. No. So, and like social media will really just be put in videos in of that yeah. really affect your fucking mental health. Mm-hmm. Like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. So my point being is if you haven't seen this, um, footage, um, I would, I would do it with caution and with an understanding that it might affect you deeply just, yeah. you know, cause it's a lot, but I, I had no idea about you. Uh, like I, we talked about this offline mm-hmm. and it was the first time I'm hearing of this and I'm going to do my own research, but it's yes. just, it's, it's, it's very, it's disappointing. Isn't really the word it's, it's, it's a feeling of like, I don't know what to do next, which, which, I know that I think hopelessness is a is a feeling that a lot of people mm-hmm. are feeling right now when thinking about like climate, when thinking about yeah. capitalism, when thinking about anything. And like my my only job is to just focus on like reflecting the times and what's mm-hmm. going on right now. So mm-hmm. my 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 only thing I can do is just like reflect as many moments of joy as possible because I am not a person with answers to this, and it's just
0: yeah, I, neither am I. Yeah, I'm just trying to offer it. A critical lens to this event that probably won't be talked about very frequently yeah um and is something that would affect you yeah. if you want to seek out mental health services yeah so for you to not know or notice for that for it to be legal for better help first of all to That's- be able to sell that information mm-hmm. to anybody mm-hmm. is fucked up yeah i think i was watching i, I, I
1: forgot what what channel i was watching but like I was watching with my mom and my mom has cable, which we all know, like I,
0: we're living for cable, yeah. like living at home with our parents, That's but sick. we would never watch no. cable otherwise. The fuck? So anyway, I, I f- forgot what channel we were
1: watching and uh, a commercial came on, um, basically illustrating the message that like internet laws haven't been amended Mm-mm. for like 25 Mm-mm. years. We like, so if you were born in 95, 96, like, that was probably the last time they were amended. Mm-hmm. Is my math correct? Yeah. Uh, you said 25 years? Yeah. 96, right? Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. If you were born in 96, you haven't. they haven't been um, changed since yeah, you were born. And
0: that was like at the infancy of the internet. Mm-hmm. The infancy. Yes.
1: So like, I don't know if that's still correct. I don't know about any current yeah. happenings, but that was what was on the TV. And it really made me think of like, that's a, that's a person's life. Mm. full life that they haven't been and like i think to the point of we were (laughs) the conversation we were having even before about like just the nuances of time and the the flexibility of time like some people including me forget like a lot of these like major life choices major historical moments are not that far apart from each other
0: y'all no like, the no. 60s were not that far away. No. The
1: 50s were not that far away. Like, the 20s were technically not that far away. Like, 1996 was not that far away. You know what I mean? So, like, it's just, it's crazy to me to think of, like, how much our world has changed in such technically little of time. That's
0: what I'm saying about where we are on the exponential curve. Yeah. Like, the the early 20th century, so, like, the 1920s we were at the point on the exponential curve where we we're still like kind of flat by the time you get to the mid 20th century, we're at the point on the exponential curve where shit starts to go from flat to up. Mm. <laughs> and since then we've been accelerating. So it's also interesting to think about time in the context of like what forces are moving, like are being imposed upon it. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though we also may have been moving in a shorter amount of time, we've had far more technological advancements. Yeah in a shorter amount of time. So a lot is happening all at once very quickly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And that's the part where like time starts to feel distorted and strange. And which is why I think the information with the telescope is going to be so enlightening Mm. because it's going to force us to interrogate time in a much more complex manner one would hope mm. some folks may double down and be like god is real like like that I mean, he is real like, they are yes. real she is real yes yeah but you know what type of god i'm talking about I know. <laughs> because i'm with you um and i'm one of those people who is like th- the universe is god god is the universe we are real um exactly yeah. um some people are like capital g god he's only a man that type of god he may be forced even further down our throats as a response to any new discoveries we make Mm. about a larger expansive idea of God. Right. Mm. Um, so I honestly, Oh my God, that's the best segue into the next point. (laughs) Oh my God. Brain blast. Um, into the next point on my pulse of the moment that is like really giving me life and joy. And it is the music artist, Dochi. (gasps) Yeah. She is the bestest. Um, also shout out to Nikki Smith lovely friend who recently put this um, song back on my radar. Like yeah. I had been listening to Dochi for a little while, but I listen to songs and like albums and I just kind of like have my same five albums on rotation for like, you know, a few months on end. And so I just kind of, Dochi appreciate- fell by the wayside. No, I appreciate how you listen. To so it. yeah, no, I listen. <sighs> If you're not serving me like a cohesive piece of art, I'm, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, I can't do it. Um, If you're a singles girl, if all you have are features, Taiga, then I'm not listening. So, (laughs) (laughs) so um, I recently rediscovered Dochi and Dochi has a song called God. Mm -hmm. And I, you have to listen to this song Mm -hmm. when you stop listening to this podcast. Honestly, pause the show right now and go listen to this song um Do-chi's name is spelled d-o-e-c-h-i-i um you can find her stuff she's queer black um you can find her stuff on spotify but her song called god which is sort of like an interlude on is her this album i will, I will share this quote she says we must come to recognize that god is an unlimited supply and that everyone has access if I'm a product of the original creator and he has an unlimited supply of creative energy, that means I have access to an unlimited supply of creative energy. So, creative energy. Um, So, basically, like, if God is you and we are God, we are from God, we are of God, and God is infinite, we are infinite. Mm -hmm. We can do whatever. Mm -hmm. Anything. Mm -hmm. All of the above. Look at nature. Literally. Look at nature. So that is something that is positive that I wanted y'all to carry because it's been giving me joy. This like Dochi's whole album, Mm. um, that this song is on has been giving me joy. And to your point, I do think artists and musicians, especially in times like these are tasked with being able to accurately Mm -hmm. articulate and reflect what's going on and also offer joy. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, I appreciate that you, um, named live venues as places of worship yeah um because i don't think people view it that way oftentimes um i would disagree actually really yeah they do they do the
1: average person yeah really the average person who goes to live music venues understands the weight of live music venues i would hope and i would think i think i I do
0: think the word worship though is a particular connotation Mm. that i that deepens the understanding of live music
1: yeah well i and i and i i appreciate you um highlighting it because i i do believe that I like really i know am. you
0: believe that but i th- i don't know at least the people i know they would have never classified a, like a live oh, concert okay. venue as a place of worship i think you're just a musician and <laughs> i'm <laughs> like oh, in yeah. and of other musicians who will think deeply and critically about this stuff but i've met music lovers who haven't even picked up an instrument and have, and have felt that have said that yeah like god bless you
1: yeah i'm I'm not interacting with those people (laughs) that's what i'm saying i think i think the average person and i think like the larger the larger venues that carry a lot of people or the larger places like festivals that just pop up in random parking lots that you know what i mean yeah that has a different connotation but even then like the reason why i love live music is because it is a whole body experience that really is is um is deeply attached to memories deeply yeah. deeply attached to memories so like i've I, i've met many of a, a person at my gigs at other people's gigs who are like fucking window washers or you know like mm-hmm, working mm-hmm. a you know working a laundromat whatever who understands the levit like understand the sacredness of certain places mm. and understand it because they have their own personal, emotional connections with them because they're connected to a specific member. Yeah,
0: I don't, like, when I, I've often interacted, I think, with the the flip side, which is, like, the molly poppers and the, like, ecstasy doers. Nah, And, And those, oftentimes, people do do drugs to access that level of, like, ascension um but i haven't really been around people who move intentionally inside of that so that's who i'm thinking that's who i'm thinking of so i'm glad that there are people in the world who are thinking of of live music in those terms oh
1: absolutely and like yeah i the the artist's role is to be the instrument Mm -hmm. like whether that instrument is in your hands or whether that instrument is plugged in or whether that instrument is your body the the reason why I say that I'm a vocal alchemist is because I feel as much as I can feel. And my job and task is to articulate it into something that can be expressed mm. and through my instrument, which is my voice. Mm. So like most artists, um, that understand that assignment, um, are, <laughs> <laughs> and I say Stop. that true. No, I, I mean, and I'm not even trying to be funny. Like most artists who understand that task and that gift, um, uh, uh, in combination with their, like, duty to their craft, I think really make impactful shit. You know what? Which I think, going back, Dochi's God is a practice in that. That's what I'm... Like... Is a practice in that. Because that person had to feel a lot to articulate that. uh To make sure that it was expressed in a way that not even was understood um, by other people, was understood by her. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, and... (laughs) understanding the process of what it takes to make an album like that's a bold choice to just speak on an album
0: right now i also encourage y'all to listen to her she has like her genius behind the lyrics yeah um youtube video on her other song yucky Blucky fruitcake um and it's great like Dochi's the best so i can't say enough about her um so please go listen to her stuff mm-hmm. um on my final notes on the post of the moment especially on the topic of music i've got my who to follow for this week so we have here and this is like comical and humorous um this person's handle is called at honeydude hideaway um and she's like a wholesome young black girl who makes parody songs about her period oh cute and it is like the most I just appreciate anything normalizing periods like truly Mm. like I still don't think we talk about it enough as a society Mm. and the fact that she makes it like humorous and adorable and like she's at like one point something million followers now on TikTok like she's doing her thing um and she clearly used it as a way to like harness her music abilities and be like I'm a musician already but I also want to speak about something that affects me all the time that no one discusses and so it is so fun to see her do like I swear she did like drop it like it's hot parody version, her period dropping like it's hot, like b- popping out her pussy. Like. <laughs> so it's just really fun to see her like clearly live her joy and do what she wants to do. That's so cute. Um, and also normalize having a period um, because it's also great to see the comments like on her yeah. videos, like yo, like, <laughs> like for real them cramps though, like, um, or just like experiences, Getting your period in public. Like, just like the embarrassment Mm -hmm. around having a period. Mm -hmm. I think she is really helping to just destigmatize that a little bit, especially for how young the demographics are that use TikTok. I appreciate that she is also a really young person who is like, hey, y'all, we can talk about this. It doesn't have to be weird or scary. We all have periods if you have a vagina. So, like, Oh, talk about mean. it. Also,
1: parody parody writing is a skill, like for real. Yes, like, and she
0: does it. Oh my god, yeah, they're that's like a big funny, skill. but also it works. And the rhyme scheme is on. Like I'm just like she's hitting all the notes, and it's good. So, honey, if... dude, hideaway. Go follow her yeah. on TikTok. Oh wait, how do you spell that? Uh, I'll put it in the description. Okay. Oh yeah, dude is spelled D E,
1: W E D. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, word wow i'm gonna watch i'm gonna watch them i my tiktok is not as nearly as curious yeah no mine is like
0: algorithmed so
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh cute so
0: we've got it all but um that wraps up pulse of the moment do you have anything else no i think i'm good bet well on the other side of this break we are about to talk about love on screen and desiree and i are both deep television lovers like deep deep so we could be here for hours (laughs) we'll try to spare y'all too much excessive talking but we are going to talk about love romance and how that's represented on film and television on the other side of the break All right. of politics of pleasure is brought to you by you guessed it us our time energy and wisdom are very precious and we really value your support as you know we are an anti-capitalist duo and so we rely on loyal and generous listeners rather than corporate sponsorships to sustain us your donation helps us buy books for research new recording equipment and probably most importantly helps us pay the black brown and queer guests that we interview If listening to this show helps you learn a little something new or maybe encourages you to spark a conversation or simply makes you laugh out loud, we are really grateful that we can give you that gift and that you have become a part of our community. Being in community with you all as listeners is probably the most rewarding part of this show, and your donation helps us to continue to build community and share invaluable resources for our liberation. You can donate to us via the link at the bottom of this episode description with gratitude and love. Thank you. to politics with pleasure. I'm dead. This isn't even the intro. Uh, welcome back to this this segment. Jesus. <laughs> um, we're talking about love on screen. Everybody. Yeah, we are. But we got <laughs> we were getting our feelings talking about uh a little cool Jay um and and he's like licking his lips through that whole music video he's like we doing it and doing it like doing it and doing you it you did and doing not doing just it. make that noise you didn't just make that noise bro this podcast is nsfw <laughs> don't play it out loud <laughs> Um, just that one part. My just God! In case you want to hear me, look at my lips, Jesus. <laughs> well, we're talking about love on screen, mm-hmm. and I'm excited because there are so many things for us to talk about. We watch a lot of TV, y'all, and this is just such a good follow up to our previous episode on love. That yeah. we spent so much time talking about love's representations mm-hmm. in media, but we didn't actually like dig into the nitty gritty of it. And this is like where we get our language and like understandings of love from. Yes. Like media. media. Yeah. Especially in a digital age. So Mm -hmm. a lot of us are getting it from TVs and film and um, like online stuff and and porn. Um, So we're here to talk about it. Mm -hmm. We're here to talk about it. I do want to start with a couple fun facts because, you know, I love a fun fact. Mm -hmm. One, because we're both TV people. Just so y'all are aware, black people watch television the most out of all racial and ethnic groups. hundred percent. Um, I do think this is what contributes to the level of ferocity on black Twitter about insecure. Holy <laughs> shit. Y'all is everyone. Okay. Like, no, no, <laughs> Is everyone. All right. Because uh, Yvonne orgy is Molly and Amanda seals is Tiffany. And Holy y'all don't shit. have the ability to differentiate between the two at all.
1: My God. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is about like the Twitter num that has grown from insecure. yeah, but this year.
0: The homies are on 10. I just think they don't like Amanda Seals. Like, I think they just don't like Amanda Seals. Amanda Seals acknowledged this. She posted a whole ass Instagram post of people being like, I don't like Amanda Seals like that, but damn, y'all don't have to come No, I like saw. that. Like, she knows people don't like That's her. That's hilarious. <laughs> which is a flex. And props it to is you a for, like, using your own haters to your advantage. <laughs> Absolutely. And I appreciated how the cast like everybody who I've
1: seen in the cast react, they're like, y'all is some bullshit. And it's if you want, yeah. and if you are like trying, like, please blow that smoke my direction, the person who had a choice, that person is an actor, bro. What are we all, what are we doing? Anyway, seeing as we're already talking about it, we, we should maybe talk about uh, the first um, love on screen example that both you and I deeply mm-hmm. love, which is Insecure.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it's honestly... I have a love-hate relationship with Insecure. I think most people do. Yeah, when it first came out... Well, honestly, I... I love Issa Ray. Like, that's really what it is. Let's pull and over. shout out to my high school AP language teacher, Miss Rember. What? If she ever hears this podcast, oh I love you, Miss Rember. Like, you really shaped, like, honestly, I probably would not be applying for a PhD without Miss Rember. <gasps> she, oh. I remember I listened to something she said. One, she made me, she used to have us do debates. Yeah. and And, um, you know, to help our critical thinking skills. And she made me argue that race wasn't real whoa uh-huh. like she, and I was like you you knew you knew you yeah, knew girl. this was gonna make me mad yeah you can. um so I had to argue with this other girl um that that race wasn't real but anyways one of the most profound things that I remember her saying to me when I was writing an essay is her feedback was the goal is not to make things simpler it's to complicate them
1: wow yes like
0: that is the point of existing like like of learning right is to see how things get more complicated not more simple and mm. i do think in high school where we learn like really rudimentary non-critical thinking skills yeah the we are taught to simplify rather than to complex like wow. complexify and she that has stuck with me ever since so wow, that's a good- I attribute much of my like internal knowledge to her saying that one thing to me. Wow! But also, she told me about Awkward Black Girl, the online miniseries I that Issa Rae put love out. Awkward and I, Black I, Girl. I binged it all in high school. Like I binged it all senior year of high school, and I was like, "Where is this person? Like, why doesn't mm-hmm. she have a real TV show?" why can't I watch this somewhere? And then like a few years later, when I heard that she had an HBO deal, I lost my mind, lost my mind. So I love Issa. Like I stand Issa. Um, doesn't mean insecure isn't without like it's critiques, but I think for, it's just, I'm gay. So like, (laughs) (laughs) like I, I love seeing moisturized black people on screen. And also I appreciate like heterosexual black love. I think it's important. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, some other gay black people may disagree with me, but I think it's an important thing to see cis hetero black men in particular 100% with any woman, um, cis, trans, otherwise, like, and have a healthy, respectful, there loving relationship yes. because, as we've acknowledged. Cicero Black Men are the weakest link of the black community, and we want to be here for y'all, and we show up for y'all, actually, we come to every fucking protest. Every time. And then every time you have a chance to go up for us, you just shit right on our faces, so... (laughs) I <laughs> so I um I appreciate Insecure for giving us the like moisturized dark skin mm-hmm. black like mm-hmm. heterosexual mm-hmm. love that mm-hmm. we need to see. Thank so. you for that imagery. Uh huh. Well, good lord. Cause yeah. Cause you know exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> all the images are conjured. Uh-huh. The ones you say it. I although uh-huh. you know I'm living. I live for my light skin king. Uh, Laura. Everybody fine on he's, that show. He's. he's He's my complexion, so I can <laughs> I can see us together in a caramel Every, couple. Everybody but, is fine as fuck on that show. Yes. No,
1: yeah. Issa Rae um, is incredibly important to me. Her work is incredibly important to me. And also, like, her philosophy about how she approaches her work has been uh, pretty elemental in, like, yes. how I have wanted to move forward in my own career. Like, how hard she rides for her city, one, but how hard she rides in uh, her mission to reflect black culture in all of its it like in all of its complexities is something that is so so necessary in this field of work and like her love of music too like she talks (gasps) often like the playlists on that show are stupid like the the how she talks about music and how it correlates to film and to tv is something that i have always felt but to see a fine ass dark-skinned woman who had labeled herself as an awkward black girl which when i found awkward black girl we 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 were awkward the reason why me and nia are friends is because it was (laughs) the one singular awkward Uh... black girl finding the other singular awkward black girl i
0: come from awkward black parents as well like my i saw my mother and isa like immediately immediately Immediately.
1: and (laughs) And most of my friends, and uh, most of my friends, um, if they know me, uh, clown me because I basically work for We Got Child.
0: <laughs> Like literally same, literally same. Like, like, like it
1: is the her, like the character of Issa. Because hold exactly. on, let me, yeah, let me <laughs> do, hold on, hold on. Let's not pull a
0: black Twitter now. Hold on.
1: So Issa, the person, is w- such an important voice mm-hmm. in Black Hollywood in Black media and i am so excited that this is just the beginning for her because she has what she has shown in such a little amount of time like i am just so excited for her career Mm -hmm. like i'm just so Mm -hmm. excited for the things Mm -hmm. she's about to make and we're literally talking about two of her projects in this segment right now which is crazy um but Issa as the character was really important as well because i literally this was the first time i genuinely saw
0: myself saw myself Mm
1: -hmm. i was an awkward black girl in her mid-20s, working for a nonprofit, trying to figure it out.
0: Yeah. And like college educated, yes, middle class, like you're trying to figure out what to do with the privileges you've been giving and given in like you you're not rich, but you're not poor either. And so you're yep. like, what am I doing? I'm trying to give back, but also this is trash. Right. So this organization is booty, and like I don't know where to go. Like where there theres not there isn't, there aren't many. Um, examples of the paths to take once you arrive at that spot, right? And so like her, the whole show is really her figuring out how to create a new path. Yes. Like a path that has not existed that she has not seen someone else take before. Yes. And so for her to do that on television, for us to see is giving us an example of a path that we know we can take yes. to make a life that is vibrant and full, and we feel like we're respecting our blackness yeah. and uplifting our community, and like all the things that I think her character encompasses and is going through, like in this season too, yeah. specifically. Yes,
1: specifically. And I think I'm glad that we're starting off this conversation talking about Issa as a character without any of her relationships to other people. Yep. Because something that is that I think that all the writers do on that show is make whole yeah. people, yeah. whole people with whole lives that they're currently making choices that yes, affect the people around them. But you see moments of reflection of just that person mm-hmm. thinking about the choices that they have made in their own life and how it affects the people around them. So it's not just about the Issa and Lawrence of it all, or no. it's, it's not just that there, these are whole characters living life together and and what that looks like. And I'm so thankful for this show for so many reasons. One in particular, how you see black people is really fucking important. And something that I've seen, I'm a diehard fan. Like I watch her interviews, anything that she really makes in terms of how she talks about her creative process Mm -hmm. has been incredibly impactful Mm -hmm. in my own life. Like one of her philosophies that we talk about often is uh, networking horizontally. Like, Everyone talks about like finding the next person who's going to give you your big break and we got to open doors for the next community and da-da-da-da-da. I'm not saying that that's not important, but also look at the people around you, next Next to you, you. who are trying to build in the similar direction Direction. Mm -hmm. as you and who can you work with that you can bring up simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Like that's really important practice. And like to have a person of her position and her stature and with her platform, not to mention the fact that she's fucking gorgeous. (sighs) Like Jesus.
0: Her skin just never does anything wrong. No. <laughs> like. <laughs> no. And the fact that she is one of the few people uh,
1: like still that are like just talking about natural hair and yeah. all this, like just her as an individual and how many things that she represents and how many of those things intersect with who I am. It's been very, very important to see. Um, but yeah, I, I have gotten lost in the tangent of how much I love Issa, but let's, let's talk about the relationships on this show, please. Well,
0: you, I honestly, I was thinking of tying in her other piece too. Okay. Because you just brought up how she helps us view black, Relationships Thank you. That's the that's the thought process that I lost. I I insisted that Desiree watch Issa's produced reality show Sweet Life, on yes. also on HBO, and I was like, "You gotta watch. You gotta see. Like, we have to keep about the tea." And um, again, very painstakingly heterosexual. Not my personal like relationship cup of tea in terms of like relationships that I experience. Like that doesn't really reflect my relationship experiences. Yeah. However, I thought. Of the like actual stable relationships on the Sweet Life, so yeah. Sweet Life follows if you don't already know, it follows um maybe like eight to ten like young black creatives, yeah. living in um like Black Beverly Hills energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the reasons why I loved watching this show, and this could have been because I was high every time I watched it Love and it. drunk, but. I felt that, to your point, the gaze of the show and the way that we were viewing the black characters mm-hmm. felt markedly different from most other reality television shows. Yes. And so the format of the show is still generally reality television. You've yeah. got confessionals and drama and tea, da, da, da. but there are also lots of lots more moments, in my opinion, where you see the characters mm-hmm. and the people because they're people actually like enjoy each other yeah (laughs) like they're not always fighting yes it's not the gaze that you get when you watch real housewives of potomac or like real housewives of atlanta where you're viewing black women and blackness through a white gay (laughs) gaze like you're viewing it through the lens of a mostly white production company a mostly white network like The people who have their hands on Real Housewives don't care about highlighting the nuance of blackness at all. And you can tell by the way the characters are shot, the way the show is edited. You watch Sweet Life and there are some moments that you're like, is this a reality TV show because of the cinematography so beautifully shot?
1: Thank you. Like
0: literally, I'm like, this is professionally lit. Like I'm watching cinema. Like I'm I'm not watching a reality television show. That was a tangent that I had uh, lost along the way
1: in my love for Issa Rae. One of the reasons why I love Issa Rae is because of her diligence to light black people yeah. beautifully. Mm-hmm. Her and Melina Matsukas, like Yes, oh my God, Jesus. Like they're they are a masterclass in how to beautifully light black people. And they talk about it a lot in their interviews of like we wanted to make sure that black people felt celebrated in every breath of the show and Mm -hmm. that includes what they're saying how we're editing them what we're making them wear but also how we light them so we can literally view them in a
0: beautiful beautiful way and it makes you watch the show differently and it's intimate like i think about one of the characters on this show on sweet life has like a really moving, heartfelt conversation with his dad. Oh my god! And oh my god! The way that that conversation was shot, like they could have shot it differently, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you take the Bravo gaze of how they light and shoot reality television, they would have amplified the sort of like negative emotions and probably made it seem a lot more tense. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that this was shot was like it was like a black family member was the camera person shooting two black family members, having a conversation. That's probably what it was. It it, it felt like, like it, it felt that way. Mm -hmm. And so it felt a lot more delicate, like so intentional, so intimate, so beautiful. And so you're able to view the characters with far more nuance and depth. And I think because of that, we're able to view the black relationships on that show in such an interesting way. Yeah. The light skins on that show are doing a lot. Like, (laughs) Let's be real. Like let, let's be real. Because we talked about this. I was like, the uh. the, the like light skinned drama of like who's dating who? And like you brought this girl into a party and did it like that was the heterosexual nonsense that I had like zero time for. <laughs> I was like, what? Also, y'all are pressed over this nigga who's not that cute. Like <clears throat> He had a forehead like Ashley Darby. Oh, my God. And and I say this with love because I also have a five head. And also, I love Ashley with all her flaws. (laughs) Um, But my man's wasn't hitting. I'm sorry. Mm. Um, And, like, all these light-skinned girls are fighting over him. And I'm just like, why are we losing breath over this man who can't even communicate his feelings properly? I don't know. So what... But on the flip side, the dark skinned folks had their mans Woo! locked the fuck down, and that was the representation I appreciated. That scene with what's this? His name? Ty? Ty? Ty Lynn. There, there you yeah. go. That conversation where
1: she or the scene, rather, the, uh, we should all we should say we're talking about um, shows. So if you're a spoiler person. Sorry. oh
0: duh yeah spoiler on spoiler on spoiler for this episode yeah
1: like you just gonna have to rock with us because but
0: okay my philosophy on spoilers is like if a show is really that good the spoiler should not ruin your ability to watch the agree. show like if the show and this is i'm gonna give you all my slight little tangent on why i like television and not film and why we're probably we're mostly talking about television in this whole episode yeah <sighs> lots of film in particular is really plot heavy like it's plot driven it's not character driven and Mm. so if the whole premise of the movie is shot because you like the the twist was revealed and now like the whole movie doesn't work no more and you don't like it then it's a bad movie (laughs) um i'm sorry uh that's my personal opinion um and that's why i like television more honestly is because it's very character driven you watch you watch The Office for the characters. Yeah. You don't watch The Office to be like, what's, what's Steve Carell going to do next? No, you watch because you want to see all the characters interact. Yeah. You want to see the looks, relationships. You want Yeah, you want to yeah, see the writing. Um, Archer is another show I think of where it's about the characters. No matter what context they're in, you're yeah. there to see the characters banter and talk to each other. Yeah. So, television for me is far more compelling especially when it comes to love because it's you have so much more room to create like a nuanced complex idea of love and relationship that isn't flattened by like we must fit this into two hours and you know 15 minutes you know no i agree i i'm a hater no
1: (laughs) no you're not i have had a very similar feeling when it comes to tv like i'm a comfort watcher as as well so like I'll watch shows over and over and over again. Yes. And if it's good writing and if the show is still good, like you can find new, new things. Stuff every like, time. I, yeah. So I should say that, but my point being is, um, there is a scene in the Sweet Life where Tylin is having her friends over at a networking event that mm-hmm. she designed herself. Mm-hmm. And her best friend gets her father on the phone who is currently incarcerated. Yeah. And, When I tell you that I fucking cried Mm -hmm. at that scene, I -hmm. was so happy for her to have that moment because that was a moment of her manifestation that was long, that had basically nothing to do with the show. nothing, not at all. And the reason why Issa Rae geniusly put her at the center of the show is because that girl has a whole life outside of the show. Oh my
0: God, yes. A a, like What seems to be a beautiful, vibrant life full of promise and potential
1: yes so it's not that hard for a reality tv show to capture her life and make it interesting Mm -hmm. because she has her own full body life Mm -hmm. outside of the cameras Mm -hmm. what gets me a little tiresome about certain reality tv shows is that at a certain point when we're at season eight nine whatever you could tell that they are living their lives in order for it to be captured as opposed to them living their lives and someone else capturing it does that make
0: sense it totally does, and uh, it makes me think of a conversation that I had with my dad about American television, specifically, mm. and how different um, American television is from, in particular, British television, because the Brits are probably the most proximate um, to the type of television that yeah. we also have. There you know, there are, like, stepdaddies over there. Like, <laughs> Honestly, there are actual daddies over there. Yeah. <sighs> Reluctantly um the queen did give give you know birth i guess to america but i i think that the stark difference between british television and american television is that often americans lean into like the most predictably chaotic messy um problematic like they lean into the thing that's going to create the most convoluted drama right okay like there's that's this is my dad's like argument and point and i have to agree with him to some extent um simply because if you think about um american television period and americanness it's it leans towards glossy Mm -hmm. um brits are really into dry and so they'll choose the dry route, yeah. not the glossy route. That makes sense. Um, and it makes me think of sex education, which oh. is one of my favorite shows on we television. We love that show so much. But my dad was saying he was like I love cuz I love that my dad loves watching sex education. Like That's he so loves the show. Cute. Um and he likes British my both my parents like British television for the very fact that oftentimes the characters are presented with opportunities to take like the glossy reality television drama Route Mm -hmm. with all their love and relationships, Mm -hmm. and they don't like all the opportunities that are set up for the characters to make like the predictable decision that would lead to like incessant drama. And Mm -hmm. like, I think of sitcoms. Like sitcoms are super American. Yes, where like the main character makes the dumb decision, but it's because you know the whole episode is going to be about this this one mishap. And like, they keep telling the lie because (laughs) you know what I mean. Like sitcoms are like this person lies even though they shouldn't. Like they know it's gonna backfire in their face but it's drama it's tv and on sex education the characters don't make those decisions they make really human decisions like they make fucked up decisions Mm -hmm. that are rooted in just them being kids but they often are not making the decision that is the like when harry met sally decision
1: (laughs) right (laughs) you know we were we were just having that conversation offline about viv we were talking about how that applies to viv in the way of like they really could have done the whole, and then she falls in
0: love, love with Jackson. Yeah. No. And like, and in particular, the, and she, then she falls in love with, with Jackson. And then Jackson is like, rejects her. Like it's the dark skin, like fat or larger black girl who then is like, I like this guy, but he doesn't like me back. Cause he's popular. Mm. They didn't even do that. Like mm. I was fully expecting them. They set it up. Like they set it up. And
1: that's so funny. That's how your brain went. Cause, because again, seeing yourself on TV is um, a natural phenomenon that most black people haven't had until like, pretty recently to be honest with you like yeah multiple nuanced versions of seeing yourself is a pretty recent phenomenon for black True. people in television um but seeing myself in her of being the overachieving mm-hmm. fat black dark skinned mm-hmm. girl um my thought process was him being down for it and then him hiding it that's where i thought the plot was i see I-, yeah. I mean
0: either way i saw a scenario in which he would not be receptive to like whatever advances she made yeah um Like that was the predictable trope that they could have played, which is still like mammying her, like turning her into a character that like can't be sexualized. And instead they made them friends. And I was like, thank you because you know what? Not every fucking cis hetero woman needs to be in a relationship or want to be romantic with or in love with a cis hetero man. Yeah. I would say though that it's still tropey because the fat black, a uh, woman has
1: turned out to be the friend uh
0: well i don't know how far you've gone into season
1: let me just say this i should say that so sec. uh i think it should be i think we should say something about the fact of how we watch tv so mm-hmm. i'm a type of person who watches tv and if it's a um show that i know is not gonna be on for a while i sometimes savor the episodes mm. so especially like with um with sex education, I blew through the first two seasons mm-hmm. because I loved it. And then the third season came out, I was like, let me savor it because I wasn't actually in the headspace to watch it yet. So I, I've gotten to season or to episode six rather of season three.
0: I see. I mean she You can
1: spoil it because yeah, I, I was gonna care. say
0: she the reason why she's the friend is cause she has her own man. <gasps> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like it's not cause at first I was with you. I was Thank like you. they still did the like okay she's sidelined as the friend she still gets to be a sexual being that's yay! all i'm trying to say okay, it's like viv's character is not desexualized which is what they often do to a oh. darker skinned femme character work it out she's not desexualized there's a scene of her fully masturbating in the bathroom yay and i was like thank you because unfortunately we don't see this often Mm-mm. at all Mm-mm. i mean one we don't see people masturbating on television no. frequently at all but for her to be doing this with she's like sexting her mans like and her man's is turns out to be fine as fuck and he comes to school and everyone's like who is this man she's like yeah this is my man's where you been at like <gasps> yeah so like you finish oh, the season let me finish the season because I really appreciate what they did with Viv's character love but it. again they didn't go the predictable route yes. they gave her humanity like they gave her nuance oh
1: that makes me so excited I've just been moving and grooving too much like Sex Education uh, uh, what I was going to say before one of the reasons why I love Sex Education and I think something that euphoria represents the opposite of.
0: Oh, euphoria. Wow. I,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Both are necessary because both experiences are happening in high school at the same time. Very valid. Um, but with sex education, there's a sweetness. It's so wholesome. There's a sweetness to being that age Mm -hmm. that I think us, you know, at the age that we're at, we can look at it with much more tender eyes, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, while there was also a lot of like, euphoria shit going on you know what yes. i mean oh my god totally so and that's yeah. very
0: interesting that you bring up euphoria because i i mean the show itself is about love through addiction mm-hmm. like which is a struggle <laughs> yeah, um absolutely. yeah and i yeah no loving someone with addiction is hard yeah. um and you want to figure out how to be there with them and like that to me is also another complex representation of love because 100%. of course Jules and I forgot Zendaya's character's name. Rue. Rue love each other to death. Um, but Jules is also figuring out how to love someone who is m- behaving like not themselves. Yeah. Because she is addicted. So... I don't know. It's really interesting. The 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 teenager coming of agey stuff mm-hmm. is like the most recent stuff I think that has been coming out has been such a great example 100%. of more complex, nuanced love representations yeah. um, that really kind of beats back also this idea of like linear love mm-hmm. and like, we're going to escalate here and there. Like I think about... Um, otis and ola's character on sex education Aww. and how again that also was like kind of setting us up to be predictably like yeah and then they're together and then it's cute and da, 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 And it turns out that ola's gay <laughs> right like it turns out that it's something else mm-hmm. and i appreciate that twist and it's not a convoluted plot twist it's just a humanity plot twist mm. it's just humans are diverse and complex and also some people are gay <laughs> like <Yeah.
1: laughs> i also love the fact that, that um most of these exes on the show are like they get to a point where they can like talk to each other cuz oh that's my also God. something that um they used to do in adolescent shows for us like our age when we were adolescents yeah where they were like and I never spoke to him again, again. and i'm like <laughs> i mean or like there's a lot of ami- 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 <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah.
1: There's a lot of animosity, you know, that like stays for years. And I'm like uh-huh. I mean, again, there's no that's grudges. a reality. Because yeah. whatever was going on in Degrassi was going on <laughs> Oh in my god. But my point being is that for shit like that where like they like just they broke up because they're different people. Yeah. Um, you could see their relationship break up and then also get repaired, but in a new
0: way. Yes. You know. Oh my God. Like, as a friendship.
1: Yeah. Because they wind up being, they have to repair their relationship.
0: They're a, they're a family. now. Yeah.
1: Like <laughs> you have to, like they're they, like, they're just in too close a proximity yeah. to each other. But that's something that is that is inherent to high school where it's like, and I broke up with him, but then I have history with him on Tuesday. And you're like, Yeah, because I
0: saw him in class. Like Yeah. Like
1: you have to just kind of like be it's a vacuum of real life of like, I still have to figure out how to like Mm. be in relation to that person. Mm. I'll be, there are some times where we really have to not talk anymore, but there's also times where we're just like, our relationship can just change in a different way. And that's fine. It's
0: really that for me. And I, the, like the old school romance love tropes of like relationships staying the same and like only existing in one state. Yeah. That is the part for me that has gotten so frustrating. Mm. We are lucky enough to live on like a cusp, of being millennials and Gen Zers, yeah. where we can bear witness to some of the newer Gen Z content that mm-hmm. is coming out, that I think is far more complex. Yeah, for but real. we all, but we also grew up with the problematics <laughs> um, and the representations of love that are really linear. That are like, I mm-hmm. uh, we get together and then we there's an expectation that we're gonna move in together and then mm-hmm. we get married and then we have a kid and that's the end of that and like. When Harry met Sally and da, 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 Cool, sure, whatever. Like, if that's your life mantra and that makes you absolutely happy, great. But to your point, like, re- the states of relationships change. Mm-hmm. And you may get to know someone and realize that y'all are better as just friends. Y'all are better as acquaintances. Mm-hmm. Um, Or, yeah, or somebody, meets somebody else that you know and then y'all are now family members. Like, there are so many different ways to change a relationship and they're malleable. Like, yeah. there isn't, it's relationships to me are far more spiraled or circular than yeah. linear.
1: Yeah. I think in all of the shows that we just mentioned, there is some relationship to that, like going all the way back to Issa mm. and insecure, like that's Issa and that's Issa and Jay. Oh my God, not Jay Ellis. Jesus, Issa and Lawrence down. Yeah, that's Issa and Nathan down. Yeah, you know? that's Issa and Molly down. Yeah, like we haven't even talked about
0: French like non-romantic love. Yeah, on we have. We mm-hmm. haven't even
1: talked about the- about the platonic friendships on screen mm-hmm. and like the relationship with Molly and Issa is fucking real.
0: Oh my God, them in like bed together. Mo- it was like in the most recent episode. Yeah, or- it was so cute. Like, like that was what I needed to see. That's love. Like that is friendship mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. And like. I don't know. It's also seen in,
1: um, Suite Life and yes. going back to the, our previous episode on love ethics, holding people accountable. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing that we connected on in that show, mm-hmm. um, where niggas are really holding each other accountable yes. in that show. And they're young too, which is so great to see. Cause it's like 23, 24 year olds, like holding each other accountable because I, you know, there's, uh, there are more representations of people doing it in their older years than in their younger years, and we need the young people to start doing it now.
0: I also think this is what happens when you stop prioritizing white love. Woo! This is what happens when you stop prioritizing white love. Our models of love come from whiteness. Mm. They do. They do. In media, they do. Um, And unfortunately, as a child of both sides of my family being descendants of slaves, Mm -hmm. we have models of love that come from slavery. Mm -hmm. Like, we have colonized models of love. So... To, one, decolonize your love, um, and then to create a model of love that require that, that involves conflict, right? Like, there isn't, like, that love, part. love is not, like, devoid of conflict. No. And that is something I've noticed as a black person moving in predominantly white spaces for most of my life is even the way I communicate as a black person, um, is considered confrontational. Mm-hmm. Like, it's considered, yep. Yep. um about conflict yeah. and i've had white people be like why are you gonna be so mean like da-da-da-da. oh my god this re- this reminds me of the we got y'all ass camp that i used to work at and my campers wanted to do a rap battle and they did and they were slaying and it's a roast it's a kiki it's a read like it's yeah. all the things that blackness and black queerness um allows for which is like a little bit of like somebody needs to call you out Yeah. <laughs> um and the like white camp counselor girl was like why is it always going to be about, like, tearing each other down? Like, why is it always going to be about, like, da 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 Because sometimes your elbow's ashy. That's what I'm saying! And so, <laughs> white people have this idea of, like, love as this passivity or this, like, yes-manning shit. Yeah. Especially because we know the dynamics between white women and white men which is like hetero white woman just supports white men doing Man. whatever. Um, and she's a passive bystander. And in return, she reaps the benefit of gaining his power Ooh, of white supremacy. She stays too quick. silent and idle. While my man abuses her and everybody fucking else, mm-hmm. um, so that she can reap the benefits of white supremacy, so go fuck yourself on that one. Oh, I, I'm just, women. I'm just saying there is a model of love that includes accountability, and 100%. often Black people practice it. Yeah. We do, like there are there are cultural. Um, practices like baked into how we exist yeah that allow for that you could call it uh oh my god what did my mom used to call it playing the dozens which is like roasting people you could call it a read like anything there's so many words for it but there's room to hold someone else accountable Oh, of course black people we have to have our own conversation about when we take it too far Um, right and i think when we do too much and we have to reel it reel it in a little bit yeah but on Sweet Life, there is such a beautiful opportunity and moment for many of the people on the show mm-hmm. to actually talk to each other.
1: Yeah. I, well, it, it. listening to you talk, it just made me think that like because black women are included in black people, conflict and how we deal with conflict is always just going to be included because yeah. normally the brunt falls on us. Yeah. So what you're not going to do is talk to a black woman crazy for nope, too long. No, don't do it. You're just not going to talk to me don't crazy for too do long. Don't do it. And we have had the... Um, divine gift of having black women as our mothers. Um, mm-hmm. so <laughs> I talk about this often about like a gift, yeah, a gift, a gift. Um, I'm gonna say it's a gift. It's yeah. A gift. Um, cause yeah, I I talk about this often about how my family fights and how that's one mm-hmm. of the best things that they've ever taught me is how to fight fair. Yeah, cause like you gonna have to fight, but like how you come back from fights is something that's important. And even on the sweet life like the person who's holding everybody the most accountable is the dark skin, black woman mm-hmm, who was thicker than all of them. Yep. So she was holding them accountable the most, but something that I did appreciate was that we had a scene where two black men apologized to, to each, each other, other apologized oh. to each other. I'm not going to, I mean, that fight was whack. <laughs> that fight was fucking There was whack. a lot
0: going on. Again, there a was lot. a lot going on, but even so on one side, they were talk. so should i say with the- I, i'm just gonna i'm calling in my my middle class light skins please don't act this way thanks please, please don't, don't act this way please don't what did he, what did he say well basically the premise of the the argument was that like some it was oppression one, olympics yeah it was it was like in a weird oppression Olympics. some of the characters on the show were doing a podcast and they were talking about Something like working hard, work ethics or something. And one of the... In particular, the lighter skin character. His name is Jalen... Jordan. Put a J there. We know how we feel about light-skinned niggas with J names. So just... (laughs) 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 Like, just... We can leave it there. So, (laughs) J-Man is on this podcast. And essentially... Discounts, he discounts really like the narrative of the darker skinned black guy who is Thailand's boyfriend, also. So, Thailand's also um, one of the darkest girls on the show, if not the darkest, if the darkest, because yeah, because Amanda's like lighter than her, um, but. She, her boyfriend, whose name I also is escaping me, he was basically just like trying to acknowledge that there is, although black people all experience struggle, there's still class divides. So like Absolutely. he was living on Skid Row. Like this man had nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, And so he was trying to acknowledge that like, although yes, black people all face like racism, we all experience it at different, in different ways, mm-hmm. at different levels, at different intersections. And the light-skinned J-Man was like uh-uh, like, you're discounting, like, all the hard work that, like, my mom put in, and da 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 But I'm like, that has nothing to do with, like, nope. you. No. One. And then he escalated it and tried to be like, you don't work harder than me. I work harder than you. Which is why I'm And that's su- why I'm more successful than what? you. And what I appreciated is that this light-skinned man went back to his mama, and she was like, you're wrong for that. Yeah. That's what I was going to say, is that
1: most of the people who are still holding other people accountable women, on the show are women, black women.
0: Black, black women. Yeah. But-
1: yeah, that was whack because what I don't like and I don't think that black men have gotten to yet as yeah. a, as a general generalization is holding each other accountable and the other person seeing the other other person's Inside, perspective yeah. or even not even that calling other black men out on their privilege is something that as, as a whole is not practiced healthily. Because normally the person who is holding you accountable is a black woman, yes. and therefore you talk to us or literally hurt us. Yeah, like you talk to us crazy or you literally hurt us. Mm. So like, I literally wrote a song about this. Yes. I. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, my point being is, the J man in this conversation
0: <laughs> has Day. his own
1: business that yeah. was funded and is run in part by, by his, his mother. mother.
0: She's like the CFO or some shit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you live in Black Hollywood for a reason you are, they are painting you as one of the most successful people on this show. They literally in, you know, two minutes before in this conversation, we're talking about how successful you are and how most of your friends look up to you because you hit a certain point of, you know, how much you got, you know, and this other man who came out the mud in another way that you did not experience is telling you his own experience and calling you out on your privilege that is true and is just factual. And as opposed to taking it on the chin, you call him out and while out and whatever. So I appreciate his mama being like, you're wrong for that because you did have other... You did. You did not come. You were not no, homeless. No, no,
0: no. You had a nice, stable family. He's missing a father figure. Like all those things, someone else's experience of trauma doesn't negate your own. No, like, that is all.
1: But again, I do appreciate the fact that after he was called out,
0: they they had, had, a, had a scene. They had a
1: conversation, mm-hmm. and there was a scene of someone apologizing to each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, while again, that conversation was whack. I do appreciate seeing him saying sorry, but that—that's all i won't to give him. That's a—that's a—that's a. He's not
0: my favorite on the show. No, so. but my
1: point being is that that should be expected because mm-hmm. again, the practice of holding each other accountable is also holding yourself accountable and saying yes. sorry. Yes, <laughs> saying sorry, bro.
0: I this like because we at this point we're really talking about like platonic, like yeah. love on TV. We're talking about Steven Universe now, like. <gasps> oh. Well, we're talking about Steven Universe now because. That show, hands down, is probably one of the best pieces of television out. Yeah, um, I hundred percent agree. And um, mainly, I think because they cleverly leverage the f- genre of animation I to know. their advantage. Yes. Um, and so I know oh, some God. people are not like animation people, but Oof. the beauty, so uh, yeah, sad. I'm like I don't know what. dry I ass love life cartoons.
1: Living. My God,
0: but animation you can do so much with it mm-hmm. like you can illustrate really abstract concepts in such a creative way with yeah. animation yeah and that is why steven universe is like the best show to teach your teach anybody teach about anybody. love about just genuine love among friends among peers among family among lovers Yo. like people who garnet
1: really made me understand gender
0: Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Garnet
1: really made Mm -hmm. me understand gender. Sorry, because there's a moment in time where if you haven't watched the show, sorry for you, but there's a moment in time where the main character, Steven and his like friend slash person, he's like kind of in sweet love with Mm -hmm. Connie Mm -hmm. fuse Mm -hmm. and they come into this gender fluid person. Mm -hmm. And literally there is a line in that show Where that person is walking down the street and they go, are you a boy or a girl? And their answer is, I'm an experience. Yeah, don't fuck with me, bro. Are you a boy or a girl? I'm an experience. Period. Yeah. Period. And the fact that I I completely agree with you. Animation allows for you to access another part of your fantasy, another part of your brain that's normally connected to your childhood. Yes. So like, rewriting a lot of the stories that you're told in your childhood Mm -hmm. through the vehicle of cartoons Mm -hmm. is such a beautiful practice and shows like steven universe that you can watch at really any age and still get the answers that you need to get and like still get some of the messages that you need to get is so masterful and so Mm -hmm. genius
0: and i just i love that show so fucking much it's it is also especially thinking about queerness on that show and what we were talking about offline of some of the other research I was doing and just thinking about some other like popular images about gayness. Mm -hmm. It is like super anti-homo normativity. Like homo normativity is is really the idea that like gayness can exist, but like only within the confines of straight tropes that already exist. Mm -hmm. So like, so even the idea that like LGBTQ rights ends at gay marriage, right? Like as if that's the thing that's going to make Queers equal to straight people is if we basically replicate straight tropes about Mm -hmm. relationships and love instead of boy means girl it's boy means boy yeah and like it's still sanitized and um it's dequeerified too like it's Mm. it's it's really not queer it's gay right like it's homo but it's not queer in that we are shirking labels and norms and like flipping everything on its head Mm -hmm. and steven universe does flip everything on its head in the most wholesome Wholesome. way. Um, And I do think it shows that there doesn't have to be, like, a mutual exclusivity between um, a wholesome queerness and, like, a queer queerness, if that makes sense. Like, because oftentimes when we think of queerness in opposition to homonormativity, which is, like, the modern families of, like... Yeah. Yeah. We, and we think of characters like the characters on Pose where it's like Mm -hmm. they engage in sex work. They often live in poverty. Like that is, if we're painting a dialectic picture, right? It's either the affluent white gays who are married and like have assimilated into white straight society or the like black and brown queer and trans folks who live at the margins and do quote unquote dirty Mm -hmm. work or live quote unquote dirty lives and Steven Universe is like, we're queering it up, but we don't have to make it dirty if you don't want it to. It's kids. It's a kid's show, um, but we're still doing it all. And, like, I think that it adds nuance to this very flat dichotomy, which mm. is rich white gays who do the normative thing um, and poor black and brown queers who do the quote-unquote dirty thing. Mm. Um, and that's the only way to access your queerness is to, like, live on the margins of society. It's so funny. It's so funny because,
1: like, it's just... On the margins is the best culture. That's what I was thinking. They're like quite punk in the way of it's just yes.
0: it's rebellious. They yes, are the, rebellious. they are the rebels. Totally, totally, they are the rebels.
1: Um, so I don't know. I just celebrate I just, them. I
0: I think Steven Universe is beautiful in that it um, they still are alien rebels. Yes, that's right. Like they're rebels, mm-hmm. but what argument is always made, right, to introducing queerness, like rebelliousness, to children is that it's going to taint the kids, yeah. right? Like it's the we don't want our we would we wouldn't want our kids watching Pose, right? Like mm-hmm. they could watch Modern Family, but they ah, could never watch Pose, right? Like got it. It's it's that you don't want to expose a child to th- real stuff like HIV and AIDS, like things that affect the queer community. Mm-hmm. Um. And so as a result, kids often just don't get queerness at all. Mm. They get homonormativity. Yeah. They get the sanitized, whitewashed versions of queerness. And Steven Universe says, we can give you queerness in all its fullness. And we can also give you something that is legible to a child. Yeah. Um, that they can comprehend and understand. And that, to your point, we can access our own inner child from. Because that show is healing. Absolutely. <laughs> like that show is because that Absolutely. show is about family love yeah and real ass shit that i am like and nobody else is talking about family love the no, way this show is no and i appreciate it for
1: the fact that it is so short yeah. which i think talks to the genius of the writing mm-hmm. you get a lot in of information minutes in 11 minutes you get a lot of information in a lot of in eleven minutes, and it makes me, it makes my the my brain the part of my brain that wants to binge really happy because I can binge a lot of episodes. Mm-hmm. But then when it gets to be an overwhelming, where I'm like, okay, maybe I should take a break. It hasn't been that long, yeah. You know, it, it's it's you're getting a lot of emotional rework and a, a lot of emotional love in yeah. there in eleven minutes, which is I think masterful.
0: On the flip side. <laughs> On. <laughs> i'm also thinking of the other animated show that addresses these topics and it is big mouth um, oh jesus and they are quite the opposite of wholesome oh, like my they God. are the nastiest i swear to you i watched the most recent season and they have a scene of santa claus fucking the shit out of his wife full penis i saw a whole ass penis like it was porn like i swear to you it was animated porn I don't even know how they got away with showing any of this. How the fuck? I don't know. I don't know, um, <laughs> but I do think that the raunchiness of the show um, is—I—it I, serves like a like a similar but different purpose. Like it almost—they just bust the door wide open, oh, right? Yeah. So that you have no choice but to like you're—it's like a car crash. Like you're like you don't want to look, but you're still looking. Yeah. Um, because that's how I felt when I was watching Santa dick his wife down. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to see this, but what? Yeah, and they have introduced the most recent season, the character of the love bug on the I've show. Seen, yeah, and what I appreciated about and it the in the terms worm, of right? yes, um, is that is they they show the dichotomy of love and like how love is often when we talk about dialectics on this show, hate and love are. Um, essentially the same sentiment but to different degrees on different ends of a spectrum mm. but there's still a clear infatuation right or obsession or um not obsession but like draw a deep an, draw, like a yeah deep like an attention yeah an attention and, a, and an, an intention mm-hmm. towards somebody mm-hmm. whether it's good or bad or yeah. like negative or positive and i also really appreciated the way they depicted Um, like lesbian sentiments developing inside of a child, like
1: oh
0: yeah, I haven't seen that part yet. Yeah, like one of the characters thinks she loves her friend as a friend. Um, and let me tell you, the amount of times women have been like, "We're just friends," like we just love each other as friends, and the amount of times I've been like, "Just friends" with a woman, and I'm like, "Yeah, we just really love each other this way." And it turns out that that's not the type of love Mm-mm. that we Mm-mm. thought it was. But I do think they do a good job of capturing the nuance of that actual emotional like process mm-hmm. for someone to come to a reconciliation that their love for someone um, is transformed beyond just friendship into mm. something else. Yeah. Um, in particular inside of queerness, because it's a lot harder to come to terms with that love mm-hmm. when you feel like it's not something that's readily accepted. Mm. Um, even if you have other queer people around you, like, I do think that some of us have that natural denial process, which is like, no, 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 yeah, nah, nah. I am not gay. I'm cool with other people. Who are gay. I'm not gay though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah, and you I are. And I thought that that like beautiful evolution mm-hmm. of this character's love for her friend, um, really illustrated the like internal processes of yeah. like coming to terms with a queer love, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I just thought it was cute. I- that's one of those shows that again i have to be like in the mood it's a lot to watch
1: but i do appreciate the evolution of that show i think that like they could fall on that trope of like shock value oh my god they could really fall on it but i'm glad that there has been an evolution throughout the seasons of like their characters they have
0: and it is it's definitely for a specific audience um but i i don't know what it is but the I think, again, just the animation really is what they're leveraging. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, this is what makes the show good. Mm-hmm. The show does not work if it's not animated. No, not at um, all. Because it would be offensive and yes. pornographic. Like, it would literally be, like, pedophilic. Like, you couldn't depict children. No. In real life, doing that. that. They're towing the line
1: it's, so hard. It's a huge tightrope walk.
0: Yes. And yeah. and a, and animation is the thing keeping them on, like, the right side of the line. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that is about it. But if they were to take it any further, Mm-mm. it's no. done. No. Um, but I, I do think that like, again, this is probably one of the only ways that you could then really go into graphic detail about talking about ad- like adolescent sexuality mm. without, um, without it being like, yeah, you can't put this on television because on sex education, like even then, like they can only show us so much without oh, yeah. it being like you're watching children do things that you mm-hmm. should not be watching. No. Right. Yeah.
1: I, 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 um, just thinking since we're on the cartoon round already, I'm thinking about the conversation that that you and I've had offline of, um, Korra versus, um, Shira. Oh yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So I'm a huge Avatar fan. Yeah. We both are. Yeah. I like, I love Avatar, um, and Korra i prefer avatar over Korra. No, oh my god no. yeah
0: also because Korra gets on my nerves she's Korra the type of tourist that you don't want to talk uh, to. and also like even writing wise i it was chaotic yeah
1: i'm much more partial to um the plot of we are doing one particular battle and yep. like the nuances that happen throughout the battle mm-hmm. as opposed to basically every new season there's like a new villain yeah i'm not down for that but we were talking about the critique of like towards the end of Korra. Korra's relationship with Asami,
0: yeah, um, gets a little
1: gay. gets a little gay, and uh, literally at the end they go on vacation together as <laughs> they
0: really call friends. it vacation, but they're holding hands as they walk into this like beaming. They ball literally of light. walk into the sunset <laughs> holding hands. So I think it's one of those it's one of those
1: shows that like try to poetically say mm. it through the imagery of the car- a mm-hmm. cartoon as opposed to the writing of the cartoon. Whereas Shira is gay as fuck.
0: Yeah, they're just doing it. Like- yeah. Shira is. I love
1: you. Like yeah. Shira is m- seeing multiple people, um, in queer relationships yeah. to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. You know, like
0: it, it's still giving. Oh no, yeah, there's multiple lesbian relationships. Thank you. Like yes. Yeah. No.
1: But I think going back to your previous point is that it's still like viewing queerness in the way of like and we're married you know what i mean yeah but but it is nice to see adolescents having the Mm -hmm. complete confidence to just say i love you you love me and i wanted to connect this through line of like the imagination work that comes with television is a really important practice because you get to build an entirely new Mm. universe especially in cartoons but even more so like uh, not even even more so actually i shouldn't say that especially in tar- uh especially in cartoons but also you can do it in you know more realistic formats but tv gives you you the opportunity to literally build a different universe so something that they do in Shira that they do in another show that I love which is Shit's Creek
0: oh yeah is mm-hmm. they
1: basically just make a world where being queer or being gay or being with a a a, a person that is like the same body as mm-hmm. you um is not even really a thing. It's like just it's just they built a world fact, where yeah. homophobia really isn't like a necessary. It doesn't exist. And that's what um Schitt's Creek was really celebrated for for the relationship that, that they depicted between the fir- the main character David mm-hmm. and his love interest Patrick. Mm-hmm. Because yes, it's still very much white man, but yeah, like yes. but yeah. I, what I appreciated about the show is that they get to they get to the heteronormative things of we are you know, boy meets boy and yeah. then we fall in love and then we get married. But what happens in between that is very queer in my mm. in uh, my opinion.
0: I I'm curious to hear your thoughts on uh, Master of None inside of this too because I didn't watch the most recent like Lena Waithe produced mm. season of Master of None
1: ironically i think that master of none adheres more to heteronormative heteronormativity yeah is that the word
0: homonormativity which is like homo sexuality inside of heteronormativity got it yeah. so
1: ironically i think that master of none adheres more to the philosophies of homonormativity than schitt's creek because schitt's creek the the character of david <coughs> his his queerness is not, um, defined as gay or, as gay or bi or anything. It's his whole thing. Like his parents were just like, he just doing what he needs to do. And there's a really, um, like iconic scene where he's explaining his sexuality through wine. So he's like,
0: I think I've seen some of this. Yeah.
1: So like basically he has sex with a woman and then, <laughs> and then, and then he, they're in the, the, they're they gain the attention of another man together mm-hmm. so she was like i thought you only drank red wine i see <laughs> and, he, and he was like i do drink red wine but i also drink white wine mm-hmm. and he was like and she was and he was like and then i tried a merlot that used to be uh that that turned into a uh, that turned into a chardonnay and then <laughs> he, you know what i mean yeah, so yeah, my yeah. point being is that he he's just doing whatever he needs to do mm-hmm. and he said very eloquently i like the wine and not the label And that's all that they talked about with their queerness. Mm -hmm. And even in his relationship with um, Patrick, there are moments in time where they they veer away from um the traditions of of being monogamous some of
0: those scenes yeah right because
1: there's a there's a a whole circumstance where the dude that he like gained his attention with in the Mm -hmm. beginning seasons comes back and basically hits on both of them nice so like they're trying to figure out if they're gonna be in a little situation by themselves there's another uh, instance where patrick this is his first gay relationship ever so he um david allows him to like go on a date with a man who uh like gave him his number and like let him do what he needs to do that way so there are moments in time where they stray away from monogamy Mm. whereas in master of none it's a relationship with two black lesbians but it's very much the whole conversation is we are married
0: because they're trying to have a kid right right i see so
1: lena waif's character is an, an author that has recently got it big and like made it and is like trying to figure out what it looks like to maintain making it. Yeah. Which I appreciated yes. seeing every conversation that's really being had in media uh, in terms of like what an artist looks like is how am I going to make it? Yeah. As opposed to how am I going to maintain it? And normally it's very dramatized, but she's just like, I'm an author that just made it. I'm trying to figure out how to like be a, a celebrity now. Mm. And on the opposite tip, her wife is like very, very much adamant about how, like how to have a baby. Mm. And the whole conflict is they cheated on each other. So they were in a very monogamous relationship. And like, how do we Mm -hmm. handle that? How do I handle having a baby with a person who's not ready to have a baby? How do I like on Lena Waites' character? Like, how do I tell my wife that I don't really want to have a baby Mm. right now? How am I scared to have a baby? So like, it's still very much. Yeah. Which is like
0: the natural growing pains of, I mean, those are the limitations, right? That are illustrated. I do think through Lena Waites' character yeah. of, of this whole linear growth model of mm. of a relationship of yeah. a romance um, is that we there is the expectation that once we've moved in together, well, when are we getting married? Mm-hmm. When are we having kids? Like those are implied next steps that mm-hmm. really put pressure on relationships, yeah, um, and don't allow relationships to evolve inside of however their love like changes and moves or grows depending on how life shifts. Mm-hmm. I, unfortunately this is like, I mean, I'm appreciative of Lena Waithe's presence period. Oh, like we need 100%, black, yes. represented. but I do think that a lot of her work, in my opinion, was overly sensationalized the way many marginalized storytellers mm-hmm. are like when they are the first of their whatever, mm-hmm. because then everyone is so focused on the, f- on the just sheer fact that they have an identity and a story that's being told that hasn't been told before Mm -hmm. that they're like everything this person done is does is great. Mm -hmm. And often then it's the people within that community that, that have to be the ones to be like, Hey guys, we love this, Mm -hmm. but this is also not representative of everyone in our community whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And also sometimes this person is allowed to fuck up. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes like not, not everything they do is great. No one's above Um, critique. And I definitely know that the, There are some of, especially the lefty black lesbians out there, I know that they know who they are. We're like, we like you, Lena. Um, But also we want more, right? Like Mm -hmm. we want more stories from other people. Um, Lena's stuff doesn't always like quite hit for me personally, Mm -hmm. but I don't want her to like not have a platform, like do your thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I just want more. Like I want someone else who I feel like represents me better, Mm -hmm. right? Um, so I think that's the overall like dilemma still too, is like, I, especially despite the fact that like we said in the last episode, like love is something that we talk about incessantly. I still don't think that stories about love are revered with as much acclaim. Um, Mm. and I, and I say this because I looked up before this, uh bbc release like releases a list like every year or so of like top 100 shows Mm -hmm. according to critics Mm. um and so they released their top 100 shows of the 21st century list um yes and most of the shows on that list are they don't center love or sex or relationships they center crime and violence mm. um and i think it says something larger about what our society sees as like interesting or well, like worthy so the, yeah so the top three shows are breaking, uh, breaking Bad. i think the wire is the first one okay so the wire then breaking bad and sopranos mm. and so those the fact that those are the top three shows and then if you look at the whole list i'll, I'll link to the list in the episode description but if you look at the whole list it's just lots and lots of shows about organized crime, mm-hmm. about drugs. Um, and I do think that we as a people are fascinated by the idea of good and bad. Like mm-hmm. that's the core of all of these shows really is mm-hmm. like, it's an interrogation of who's a quote unquote good guy and who's a quote unquote bad guy. And like, sure. what is crime? What is criminality? And that's like a sort of unifying human um, question mark, Mm -hmm. right. That we continuously have with ourselves every day. All the choices we make, we're like, are they good? Are they bad? Do they have a good intention? Do they have a bad intention? But I don't think that we have focused enough energy, um, or held as in as high regard, sh- like, shows and films and all that stuff that, like, genuinely talks about love. Mm-hmm. Um, not, like, cult classics, like, you know, fucking a Sixteen Candles. Like, like, that's not about love. That's about, like, high school romance. Like, people love that movie. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the, the shows in particular that I can think of that people, like, absolutely live for, mm-hmm. very few of them talk about love as a central trope. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, no. I can't think of any because even if I think about shows like The Office or, I mean, yeah, Jim and Pam was plot. Yeah, of that's that's cute, but it wasn't like <laughs> a, it wasn't even necessarily like a primary part of the plot. Um, and even still, that's the what if that's the one little tidbit that we're getting yeah. of love. That's still very Harry Met Sally. Oh, uh-huh. yes, <laughs> like linear, absolutely. love. absolutely. Um like and Steven Universe is on this list of top 100 oh, shows but right. it's very far down on the mm. list. Um so if you think about what shows are towards the top of this list mm-hmm. it's still very like violence organized crime drug related. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know. I just wanted to leave everyone with that tidbit because I hope it helps us reframe how we're seeing love, I sure. I don't know. I don't know if we value nuanced conversation about it enough. Mm yeah um and i i implore you the next time you think about a show or watch a show and you decide whether you think it's a really good show or not Mm -hmm. how central is the theme of love in that show despite the fact that it is one of the most unifying human experiences Mm -hmm. we have (laughs) no Yeah. so it's surprising to me that it hasn't made such an impact in terms of like what's critically acclaimed right it makes me think of
1: um we can't have we can't have a television episode and not talk about Michaela Cole.
0: Um, oh my God. Yes. Actually, I May Destroy You is a uh, fourth on that list. Perfect. So perfect. Um, that, although it's not really about love, that's what I was going to say. Like,
1: so like, uh, I am so happy that Michaela Cole got her flowers at the Emmys this past Emmys mm-hmm. for I May Destroy You. If you have not seen that show, it is one of the most important pieces of art that has come out. I, I haven't. And because I'm just
0: readying my heart that's another
1: thing if you (laughs) haven't watched that show big trigger warning if you have ever experienced sexual violence ever experienced any type of sexual trauma it is a show that depicts it authentically and therefore um it is very very difficult to watch at certain times um i will say though that it does go along with what you were just talking about because it is one of the most um vulnerable pieces of art Mm. i have ever seen it's one of the most well-intentioned and well thought out pieces of art I've ever seen. It's one of the most personal pieces of art I've ever seen be highly acclaimed, but it talks about uh, a situation that is devoid of all love. Yeah. So the fact that this piece of television, albeit masterful Mm -hmm. and written by a person who is a creative genius, they're talking about an experience Mm that is trying to delineate the difference between sex and love and how there are a lot of opportunities and times where people use sex completely devoid of love.
0: Yeah. It honestly makes me think, um, about truly, I think this helps illustrate, um, my point, which is sex. We talk about like, um, and it's, and it's in lots of places. I still don't think that it is viewed, um, I, don't, I still don't think as Americans we're able to accept the role that sex plays in our society as yeah. prevalently as we should, mm-hmm. but we are far more comfortable with watching violence mm-hmm. um, as a society. But I in particular think of, Code Switch did an episode on this, the marginalization of the romance novel. Mm. Romance, like what I'm talking, like love, romance, like things that are... Sex can be related, yeah, but it is not the focal point of the storyline. right. Think about how we view romance like literature, writing stories. They are often cliched. They're mm-hmm. often made fun of. They're often pushed to the margins. Mm-hmm. And Codeswitch did a really good episode on ro- like black female written romance novels and like the role of romance in rewriting historical nonfiction and in mm-hmm. particular of experiences that like, black people were having in you know during slavery Mm -hmm. um and the role that love plays as an antidote in storytelling to some of these really harsh oppressive narratives that we receive from the historical black south Mm -hmm. um and that romance novels are a great way to frame that time period Ah. um but they're not taken seriously. Like romance mm. novels are not taken seriously. Mm. Um, and, and that's the point I'm trying to make is like, why, why, why? And why know. is that genre considered kitschy and like, you know, kind of like you poke fun at it?
1: Like, yeah, I don't know. I, it, okay. So I think I do want to mention though, that although, I mean, in comparison between Shits Creek and, um, master of none, mm-hmm. I think that Shits Creek is more queer. I mm. will say that, um, in my opinion, Master of None's third season that was specifically on Lena Waithe mm-hmm. and her love interest was uh was like ultimately way more romantic. Mm. And it's and it's comp- and it's really based on how they shot it for me. Yeah. Again, going back to how you shoot black like people. Issa, yeah. Like the show is a complete departure from the first two seasons mm-hmm. where it's like mm-hmm. the entire show is based on "I'm sorry" for the first two seasons. Yes. And it's also based in his humor where it's like, and then it's, and, and it's
0: fast talking. Right.
1: And thank you for um talking about rhythm rhythmically. It's a lot faster. Yeah. This season is so slow and it's based in somatics. It's based in ASMR. So like I watched an, a interview um, with Aziz and Lena talking about how they wanted to shoot it and they wanted to shoot the small moments of people hmm. being in love. So th- shots go on for way longer yeah. than most traditional TV shows would allow. I appreciate that. Right. So it's just a very long shot of nature sounds. It's a hmm. very long shot of Lena waif and her love interest. I don't know the name of that actress, but she, you are amazing sis. Um, they're doing laundry and they have a nineties, whatever like RB mm. song playing and it's just a literal almost three mm. minute shot of them dancing together mm. like while we are talking about you know two people who are coming together yeah. in marriage having a baby
0: is still there but right
1: but how they shot two black women in love That's felt great. like two black women in That's love great. how they shot the home the the wardrobe on that on that set was very very authentic it mm-hmm. was very very much like I am a black woman in my 30s today having a relationship with a black woman who is masculine presenting today like mm-hmm. it just felt rich and I appreciated the fact that we're viewing a lens of a gay relationship um of two black women mm-hmm. viewed in this way almost romanticized almost as if it's in the the romance novel because again i think that had it been shot in the way of shits creek where it's like and i'm funny (laughs) you know i think that people would take it less seriously and this felt like a french film and Mm, it it felt like like a
0: sophistication correct the richness yeah it was all it was all
1: on film it was all film it was all on film so that romance of um how movies were shot in like the fifties and the sixties of that, that warmth that comes, that only comes with film was shot for this particular mm. love story, which I deeply, deeply appreciated. So, yeah.
0: I, it also highlights that like what we talked about last week of love being a daily practice, mm-hmm. like the slowness of love, I think is worth talking about uh, yes. because that is what love it's a return yes. to whatever, agreement you had with this person right like whatever relationship whatever connection you Mm -hmm. have with this person it is like bell hook said love is a choice it's not just oh i just we love each other and that's it (laughs) it's i chose today to wake up and love this person yeah and so that means i chose today to practice love with this person which means doing laundry with this person which means doing whatever with this person that isn't just High stakes, flashy drama, mm-hmm. da, da da da, all the butterflies in my stomach, and that's it. Like it's yeah. also
1: mundane as fuck. It, I think we can close it here, um, but it just makes me go back to last week's um Pleasure Center. Mm-hmm. Um I'm I'm very much a, a sonic person, we all know this. The the silences that are felt yes in um, Master of None season three is really important Mm. and i encourage everybody listening like who do you want to share silence with like that to me is a huge indication of who i feel most comfortable with is if i can share Mm. a silence with them and i think that that's something that they did beautifully that i hadn't seen with beautiful black women before Mm. is moments in love where we're choosing to be in love, where we are choosing to be in silence together and how that silence is used throughout the season is really important. What sounds are being used? What do you hear at that moment is really something that they used very intentionally in that show. And I appreciated the fact that I could see a moment in time where we're not speaking. We're just being
0: in love. Hmm. Bitch on that note, (sighs) that wraps up this segment Mm. um love on screen that was great um you and i'm gonna go watch um that that season now of master of none because i still haven't and i've just been putting it off but on the other side of the break des is gonna continue these beautiful insights Mm. with her pleasure center
1: Alright right kids welcome back from the break and welcome to the pleasure center now i'm going to switch it up this week and not do a guided meditation but instead talk about something that i think we all need a healthy reminder of every now and again so in honor of love on screen let's talk about a media diet all media is consumed music tv film online content And much like the things that we consume to sustain our bodies, like food and water, media should be treated with the same type of intention. Intuitive eating is a thing, listening to what your physical body needs at the moment. So why can't we apply the same logic to our media diet? We can consume a variety and balance of media to sustain a healthy, emotional body. I think people do this practice subconsciously all the time, right? You listen to your going out playlist when you want to get hype, You comfort watch your favorite movie when you're going through a hard time, but those are normally reactions to external circumstances. I don't think most people, including myself, are thinking that critically about their everyday intake of love for the sole purpose of internal health. So since this segment is about the small moments, the everyday, I ask you, what does your daily diet of love media look like? Is it balanced? Does it feel healthy to you? I think there are many conversations publicly about how media affects our mental health, but less so on how watching these screens every day literally impacts our brains. Here's where the science kicks in. The communication between neurons in our brains is manifested through brainwaves. Brainwaves are produced by synchronized electrical pulses from masses of neurons communicating with each other, and they are the roots of our thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. The brain contains five different types of brain waves measured in hertz. From highest to lowest, we have gamma, beta, alpha, theta, and delta. If you think about it like a band, gamma waves are the highest voice, maybe the soprano, and delta is the lowest voice, or even the bass drum. Now, all brain waves are working together at any given time, but their presence changes according to what we're doing or how we're feeling. According to a site called Brainworks, gamma waves are the fastest, anywhere between 38 and 42 hertz. Gamma brain waves are simultaneously processing information from different areas of the brain. If we're equating it to chakras, a great presence of gamma brain waves relates to an expanded consciousness and spiritual emergence or an expansion of the third eye. Now, beta waves is where we live normally, anywhere between 12 to 38 hertz. Beta waves dominate our normal waking state of consciousness and directs our attention to cognitive tasks that are assigned to us from the outside world. Alpha is where we start to slow down a bit, anywhere between eight to 12 Hertz. It is our brain in its resting state where our mind-body integration is most accessible and where we have the ability to learn from a state of calm and presence. Theta waves is where we begin to dive deep into our subconscious. Theta is between three and eight Hertz and occurs often in sleep, but is also dominant in meditation. It is a gateway to learning, memory, and intuition. Pay attention to this, I'll come back to it in a second. Delta waves are the lowest recorded brain waves in human beings. They are found most often in infants as well as young children. As we age, we tend to produce less delta even during deep sleep and fall more into theta. Delta is associated with the deepest levels of relaxation and restorative healing sleep. They have also been found to be involved in unconscious bodily functions, such as regulating heartbeat and digestion. Adequate production of delta waves helps us feel completely rejuvenated after we wake up from a good night's sleep. So why am I talking about brainwaves? It's because research has shown that television, and in particular TV commercials, not only influences our beta brainwaves, but our theta brainwaves as well. Beta brainwaves manifest itself in a cognitive action, so doing something or buying something. But theta brainwaves influences our learned behavior. Theta waves are a particular frequency range that's involved in daydreaming and sleep, so the bridge between conscious and unconscious. Theta waves are connected to us experiencing and feeling deep and raw emotions. Too much Theta activity may make someone prone to bouts of depression or even make them highly suggestible based on the fact that they're in a deeply relaxed, semi-hypnotic state. See where I'm going with this? So while Beta makes us do things, Theta makes us learn things deep in our emotional body because we're in a deeply relaxed, semi-hypnotic state. Theta has benefits of improving our intuition, our creativity, and making us feel more natural. but Used in a different context, it can make us learn behaviors that are deeply unconscious. So, when it comes time to choosing media to consume around love, make sure those images and sounds and videos are aligned with your love ethic because not only are you watching, your unconscious mind is taking notes. So, my suggestion this week is the same as last week's discernment. Notice how your body feels while you're watching TV. Is it relaxed like you thought it would be, or is it actually tense? I often find myself super tense while watching a show that was supposed to calm me down, all because I had actually reached my watching threshold about two episodes ago, and now I'm just watching out of habit. Or even worse, I'm watching out of this weird scarcity like it's going to go away somehow, and feeling like I have no control about how much I'm consuming. But at the end of the day, isn't that what binging is? So the next time Netflix asks you if you're still watching, which by the way, always feel shady. I hope you have a moment to pause, check in with your body, and make a conscious decision. I always wish you sovereignty over your energy, and that comes with control over your consumption. So, I wish you well, and with that, I'll close it there.
0: think about my media diet i don't know about y'all but i appreciate that tidbit does oh, um man. the frequency that like television and film is vibrating at mm-hmm. and how it is hypnotic mm-hmm. um and honestly reasons why part of my like conspiracy not conspiracy my theory as to why black people watch tv more than others no um, you're correct that's a on... whole separate like conversation but i do think that tv and film serves a purpose of escapism and inundation um and like leaving reality
1: i would correct I, Or I, I would correct um concur i would concur with your theory because the frequencies that are emitted by the tv and by most of the media that we consume is like the lowest frequencies, so they're, they're the most comforting.
0: Hmm, most comforting, yeah. And niggas need that. I know yeah. we fucking do. Yeah, we need comfort. In this country, we need yes, comfort. So
1: it's like at your most relaxed, and like because we are not relaxed in
0: because we're, our nervous systems are on ten all the time. Yeah, um, we yeah. artificially get it through TV. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, well thank y'all so much for listening to this episode i hope you enjoyed if you want to keep up with us on social media you can follow us on instagram we are at politics of pleasure pod or on twitter we are at pleasure politic does any final thoughts announcements
1: no yeah you can follow me desiree jaha i'll be posting all my music stuff there um and hopefully i'll see you at the show on december 1st with jess nolan
0: great thank y'all so much we will talk to you in two weeks bye Bye. Thank you.